and a playoff pick goes down. Norwood and I both had a playoff pick lose in week three, and what a week three it was. Rivaled week one with all the great games we had. You're listening to Pat's Interference. I'm flying solo today, so I'll be recapping the week three that was. I'll be previewing some of tomorrow's games. Sorry we're getting this to you late, but life has gotten in the way. You're listening to Pat's Interference. Don't go anywhere. All right, everybody, like I just said, great week three of college football. It was a a wild one. Scores were pretty much all over the place. We got a lot of picks right. We got a lot of picks wrong. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into this because, like I said, uh, Patrick Norwood's got a little bit of a busy weekend ahead of him. I believe he's going to New York to go cover some stuff. And so I'm flying solo. He sent me a little uh, moratorium of his own. I'll play that toward the end of the podcast. And uh, I guess my moratorium on what happened in week three begins now. And where should I start looking at the list? I've got, um, well, I think it's Jermaine that I really started the game that was the game of the week for ESPN. I got to start with FSU Louisville. And I really, uh, <laughs> I don't know where to begin with that. Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. Louisville wins this game 63-20. to None of us saw that coming. We saw the... Uh, we saw the signs, you know, we, we saw that this could be potentially a trap game for FSU, even though it was number 10 versus number two, but, you know, it was a daytime game out at Louisville where FSU always seems to struggle. Lamar Jackson's been red hot. FSU goes out there. Some people are predicting a close FSU win. Some people are predicting a close Louisville win. And then FSU suffers the worst defeat in school history. I mean, it wasn't really even all that close from the beginning. I mean, Louisville jumped out to a 14 to nothing lead. I think FSU got it to 17 to 10 maybe at one point. After that, it was uh, all Louisville. 21-point second quarter, 14-point third quarter, 14-point fourth quarter. It was it was a beatdown. And none of us saw this coming because, or neither Patrick or I saw this coming, because we both, remember, had FSU in our playoff picks. And I've been hyping them up since basically when they lost to Houston in the bowl game last season. I mean, FSU was a team that I thought had a a great quarterback coming in to um, really take over for an okay quarterback in Sean McGuire. DeAndre Francois taking over that position. A great defense uh, schedule that I thought the only tough test would be Clemson on it at home. Not the case. Uh, Louisville looks like they are absolutely the class of the ACC. They look like they are for real, um, and they are right up there with Clemson. It's going to be a very good game in two weeks to see Clemson playing Louisville. That is what we're going to talk ad nauseum about in about a week here. But let me talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson. 13 for 20, 216 yards, touchdown. One touchdown through the air. Uh, He did a lot of his damage on the ground as well, like he always does. The dude from Florida, he is from Florida. And how did FSU let this guy get away? 17 attempts, 146 yards rushing, four touchdowns. He dominated. He is easily the runaway September Heisman winner. And we're going to have to see. Sometimes the September Heisman winners, they um, translate into Heismans like Robert Griffin did a couple years back. And sometimes they crash and burn or end up, you know, Leonard Fournette and the Geno Smiths of the world. So we'll have to see what happens there. But right now, Lamar Jackson, the most dangerous player in the entire country. And it's not even really all that close. He is putting up video game numbers against what is a very, very good. And I know FSU's defense, they were missing. Um, Derwin James, their best player, and uh, they're they're missing Josh Sweat, one of their pass rushers. So they're really missing the quarterback of that defense, um, and he would have helped. But even if Derwin James was on the field, this team was unprepared 
uh, uninspired, and has the FSU fans that I represent here at my job in the panhandle of Florida really shaking their heads. It was a, it was a very somber Monday when I went back to work. So uh, moving on, I want to quickly mention the other team in Florida. I'm not going to talk about the Florida Gators. This, well, actually, I will, uh, but not yet. I'm going to talk about Miami destroying Appalachian State. This is only really a big deal because to me because Miami looks like they're right where they need to be with Mark Richt. Very good. Uh, he's doing a lot of good stuff there, and they're actually going to be making some noise in the ACC here. We'll see if they can pull up an upset or two. And then Appalachian State, remember how they played Tennessee? Well, this time they get Miami at home, and they lose 45-10. to 10. So Appalachian State's a good team. Miami went out there. They cruised past them. Mark Rick's doing some good stuff out there. Where should I move next? Um, number of good games. Just scrolling down the list of kind of what happened here. Uh, let's go with uh, Michigan and Colorado. This was a game that for a second there looked like an upset alert. Um, I think Colorado got up to a 21-7 to kind of a, a pretty sustainable lead um, at one point. I'm going to pull up the recap here and, and really see. Uh, let's see. They got up to... Colorado was up 28-24 at halftime. I do know that. And they got up to about 21-7 there. Uh, Michigan really had to claw back at the second quarter and then in the second half, they just blew them out of the water. 45-28 score. Michigan, uh, when they're on, they're on. They're a very good team. Let's continue. I know we talked about this game in our Alabama podcast, so I'm not going to go into as much detail, but not everybody listens to the Alabama podcast. I'm going to go into uh, probably the best game of the week. That was Alabama versus Ole Miss. Alabama winning that one 48-43. Here's a few takeaways from that game, that topsy-turvy uh, Ole Miss jumping up to a 24-3 lead, Alabama coming back and making it 48-30, Ole Miss coming back making it 48-43 in about 10 seconds. Um, from the Ole Miss side, Chad Kelly, very good quarterback, playmaker. He was throwing NFL-level throws, diamond them, nickel and a diamond them, and then th- hitting them with the long ball. He was very good. I know he fumbled twice. Um, the I want to say the, the Jared Allen interception was actually reversed to a fumble. That's kind of a home field switch. They don't want to ruin Chad Kelly. So I think the official scorebook now has that as a fumble return for a touchdown. Regardless, Chad Kelly played very well, well enough for them to win that game. He did by no means lose that he had some plays that ended up in Alabama touchdowns, but that was more on his offensive line. Um, and uh, Ole Miss is probably the best one and two team I think I've ever seen. I mean, they're one and two right now. They lost to FSU and they lost to Alabama and they Looked really good in both of those games for a very long time in both of those games. Uh, Ole Miss isn't done yet. They might be out of the playoff picture at this point, but they are not done making noise. Uh, Alabama, I'll give a couple takeaways. Again, if you want to listen to the full reaction, we've got about an hour of us talking about Alabama that we recorded on Monday. So uh, that's our previous episode. If you want to look that up, download it, listen to it. Uh, Alabama, Jalen Hurts is also a stud. True freshman. He gets drilled in the second quarter when Ole Miss goes up 24-3. He goes to the sideline. This is what Bradley Bozeman, the center, says. I mean, the dude took a harder hit than I've seen a quarterback take in a long time. He looks at them. He goes, guys, we're fine. I got your back. You got my back. Let's keep rolling. Three plays, 50 yards later, he scores a touchdown. I, I thought he was going to be concussed. Genuinely thought he wasn't going to be able to come back in. He, he very slowly got up. Um, the other thing, Alabama's front seven is – they're looking like they could definitely be better than last year's front seven, and that is saying a lot because last year's front seven was historically good. 
their front seven is as important to Alabama as a very good Deshaun Watson level quarterback is to another team's offense. I mean, they're they're scoring us 21 points a game, it seems. The defense and special teams at Alabama is the scariest part of that team, and that's that's really the mantra for them. That's, that's kind of the way these things go. Jumping over to, oh goodness. All right, here's the next one on the list. We got um, Texas A&M 29, Auburn 16. This is a game that Auburn was, for whatever reason, f- favored in with the Vegas odds. I don't, listen, whatever. Uh, Auburn's defense is bona fide above average good. Their defense, it, it is so weird. It is so weird that Gene Chizik, who should have been a defensive mind, right, comes in, awesome offenses, garbage defenses. Really? And then Gus Malzahn comes in, an offensive mind, garbage offenses, very good defenses. This Auburn team can't figure themselves out. I'm going to talk a, a good bit about Auburn here. Texas A&M's good. They're very, they're rolling. They're they're um. Trevor Knight's looking like he's good enough to get them wins. They've got the best receivers probably in the conference, rivaling Alabama. But I mean, they've got oh boy, Speedy Noyle. Um, uh, oh, what's the guy? The, the the true sophomore, Christian Kirk, Josh Reynolds, Ricky Seals Jones, all very good receivers. Um maybe the best in the entire nation. So they're good, and they're going to continue playing some good football games and giving some teams fits. We'll have to see. They're always good in September. We'll have to see how they do late in the season. Kevin Sumlin, for some reason, can't close out a season, it seems. Auburn, I just I just don't understand this offense. I mean, watching it, I thought Alabama throws a lot of screen passes. Auburn throws way more screen passes, will not let their quarterbacks throw down the field, can't get a running game going. It is, it's just it's just awful. It's just awful. They scored, I want to say, on their first possession, and after that, it was, ugh. It was bad. They, they lose 29-16. They've lost, they're 1-2 now on the season, sorry. Um, they play LSU this weekend. Could very easily come out of this weekend 1-3. I don't know. The thing is, Auburn, a lot of people are saying they don't know if Gus Malzahn's going to survive even this weekend. Here's the thing at Auburn right now. Their president is retiring. The fans all want Jay Jacobs, the athletic director, out. So if you're going through all this president leaving, Jay Jay Jacobs on the hot seat, it might look like he might get at least a full season or maybe even another year because they got so much other things they got to figure out. And you really, if you're going to go ahead and hire a new football coach, you're going to want to go ahead and hit, get the new um, athletic director to choose them, right? Anyway, Auburn's, they're better than their record indicates, but only because of the defense. Like, I'm still not going to say that Auburn won't be able to pull off an upset like they are like they were back in 2011. And they're going to, I, I think they'll win more than four games just on the level of that defense. And there are a lot of other, uh, Offenses that are inept in the SEC that they still got to play, but man, I don't even know. Auburn's just got a lot of work to figure out on that offensive side of the ball. They really just need a new identity. They need to just get Malzahn out of there, honestly, honestly. And I thought he was going to be a great coach too. Moving on, Mississippi State losing to LSU twenty-three twenty. LSU was winning this game big. Mississippi State pulled back. Uh, I was really feeling LSU as a as a comeback team. Danny Etling at quarterback, the Purdue transfer. He looks like he might be their answer for the rest of the year. Uh, uninspiring, but all the same, getting the job done. Um, 
and the Mississippi State's just not very good. Yet they had this kind of second half comeback, and uh, it was a you know a failed fourth down conversion in the last couple minutes of the game that was the difference there in the end. Leonard Fournette's still a monster. His offensive line's just doing him no favors. Uh, if they were playing even remotely how they were last year, LSU would still be undefeated, and he'd be in the Heisman discussion. I mean, that's just that's just the way it works. The only reason I'm mentioning this Florida 32, North Texas Mean Green 0 game is because, I don't know, Purdue transfers just seem to be taking over the SEC right now. In that win, Luke Del Rio goes down, in steps in Austin Appleby, who, by the way, just started over Danny Etling at Purdue last season. Now he's the starter at Florida for the next couple weeks, and we're going to see two, we might see two Purdue transfers in the SEC starting against each other in a couple weeks when Florida plays LSU. Michigan State 36, Notre Dame 28. Man, I've been talking a lot. See, I miss my co, I'm just, I just miss my partner in crime, my co-host here. You know, I get to take a little sip of water when he's going on his little rants, and it's always good, but I didn't, I picked Notre Dame in this game against Michigan State, um, Michigan State got up pretty good, pretty well, pretty big. Uh, looking at the first half here, loading up the page. It looked like at halftime they're up 15-7, then they scored 21 points after that in the third quarter. Uh, Notre Dame was down big. They make a, a little bit of a comeback. Deshaun Kaiser is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and his team is 1-2. and two. That's just how weird college football can be. On the other side, O'Connor, the Michigan State quarterback, who I really didn't feel coming into the year, and I did not feel Michigan State as a team, um, and maybe it was just the you know the cotton bowl ringing true in my brain and and really just being a red flag on this team. But Tyler O'Connor played great, 19 to 26, 241 yards, two touchdowns. Kaiser, on the other hand, 344 yards through the air, two touchdowns and an interception. They both played well enough to get the team to win the game. The problem is Notre Dame has no offensive line. They cannot run the ball. Their top running back had I think 29, 30 yards rushing. Deshaun Kaiser couldn't get anywhere on the ground. His long was a 14 yard run. Um, Fulston, who I was pretty high on coming in the year, four rushes, 14 yards. And then on the other side, you know, Holmes and Scott on Michigan State are both 100-yard rushers nearly. So that was really the difference in this game. Notre Dame, if you don't figure out, one, your secondary, and two, your offensive line, you're going to keep losing games this season. And you're a borderline uh, playoff pick for me. Anyway. Georgia beats Missouri 28-27. Gosh, I don't even want to talk about this game. Georgia's undefeated, but they feel like the least undefeated team ever. I mean, they beat North Carolina pretty well to open the season. Then they have a two-point win over Nichols State, lowly Nichols State, and a one-point win over Missouri that took a a last-minute touchdown, very dramatic win. Georgia's... You're undefeated, but... (laughs) <laughs> you don't feel undefeated right now, and I know that Georgia fans are squirming, but at least they found uh, a quarterback in Jacob Eason. He's going to go through growing pains the same that Jalen Hurts and um, DeAndre Francois and Shane Buchel will at all these schools, but he's going to be good. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC for the next couple of years. That's all i got to say about that game. Ohio State 45, Oklahoma 24. Um, told you guys. Oklahoma's okay. Ohio State is a very good team. I think Ohio State's the best team in the country right now. If the playoffs started today, and it was just you know the top four teams, I want to say Alabama, Ohio State, maybe Clemson and Louisville, I think Ohio State comes out with the trophy. They're playing, the team is growing, they're young, and yet they're playing like 
a veteran team. JT Barrett is still my Heisman pick through three weeks. I'm not backing off on him. I think if Ohio State goes undefeated, JT Barrett will have done enough to win the Heisman at this point, especially with all the other teams that are playing uninspiring football. 14 of 20, 152 yards, four touchdowns. He's he's thrown a touchdown of one out of every five passes. Weber, oh my goodness, Weber. He's taken over for Ezekiel Elliott. He's not on that level yet, but he's good. 18 rushes, 123 yards in that game. And then the receivers, like we know at Ohio State, are always very good. They lost so much last year, and still they just plug and play. Um, I mean, the defense is pick-sixing Baker Mayfield. Curtis Samuel's getting touchdowns on long runs. They're very good. Oklahoma, like I said, never been a big believer in Baker Mayfield. Um, I like Samaj P. Ryan. I don't like Joe Mixon just because of certain reasons, but that's, you know, they're 2-2, two and two, and a lot of people had them in the playoff for winning the national championship. Right after the season, they were preseason number one. Now they're 2-2. 1-2. Two and 1-2. Two. And two. Not even 2-2. Two and two. They're 1-2. They've got a losing record. Uh, Stanford beats USC 27-10 in the late game. I think I've got, I got two games left I'm going to talk about. I wanted to make this kind of short. Stanford beats USC 27-10. Uh, Stanford's still good. They're still one of my Heisman picks. I still think they come out of the Pac-12 with one loss or possibly undefeated. And, you know, Dylan McCaffrey's just that good. Um, USC's in a world of hurt. They're the worst one and two. They're not the worst one and two team in the country. But out of teams that had a lot of expectations, USC might fall the most short of that that I've seen in a long time. I mean, they get blown out by Alabama. They have no offense. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know if it's Max Brown or Sam Darnold. The team doesn't seem to have it together. I think Helton, Clay Helton, their coach, is just in over his head. Just, he was a good old guy, and I understand the idea why USC would have wanted to hire him. I'm, seriously. They wanted some stability after the last two head coaches with Kiffin and Sarkeesian. I get that. But he's way in over his head. I think you pull the plug very quickly or maybe not even maybe don't even wait till the end of the season you got it this is usc you just can't afford to be one and two and and really just juju smith schuster is not doing anything he was supposed to be your star and he you're just all over the place usc uh i think clay helton should be gone if not by the end of the year definitely by the end of the year if not earlier Cal beats Texas 50 to 43. I think we I think we hyped up Texas a little too quickly after that Notre Dame win. Very quickly. Cal's not that good of a team. I know it was in Cal, I know it was a late game. But if Texas is supposed to be back, they should not be losing this game 50 to 43. This should not be this way. I think we're a little too quickly to anoint Texas as being back. Um Buchel, Okay game, 19 of 33, 196 yards, touchdown and an interception. Swoops through an interception in this game. I don't even know why he's passing the ball at this point in his career. Davis Webb, good quarterback at Cal. Uh, I don't know. I've always been biased against him. I've always been I've been biased against Cal for a while, I think, because I was waiting for them to come back. But they played, a, they played a very good game. I just a couple seconds ago said they're not a very good team, and I stand by that. I think they're a middle-of-the-road team in that conference, but... Davis Webb is an above average, well above average quarterback. 27 of 40, 396, four touchdowns. He is that team. Um, Davis Webb is one of the better pocket packers in the country. And then Hanson 
nearly 200 yards receiving and two touchdowns, their top receiver. Good win for California, but I think it's I think this loss is more important to Texas than this win is important to Cal. Uh, Texas really was trying to to really make some noise. Uh, that is all for the recaps. I can't. I'm gonna have to listen to what Patrick Norwood said, and either I'm going to insert him here uh, at. Let me see where I am on this timeline here at 20 minutes, or I'll save him to the end. But I'll have to listen to what he says. So I'm gonna insert him. If you hear him, that's because I've inserted him. If not, I'm gonna move on to just very quickly picking who I think is gonna win this week's games. I think Utah beats USC because USC just this is this game is tonight, by the way, eight o'clock uh, Central Time. I think Utah is going to be able to win this game just based on the fact that USC is just really, really under some stress. Uh, I'm going to go with, I think Ole Miss is going to beat Georgia. I know Georgia's undefeated, but I really just don't feel like they're a very good team at this point. It's only been three games, and I think Ole Miss is the best 2-1 team that I've seen in a long time. <sighs> Michigan State-Wisconsin. This game is at Michigan State, and Michigan State showed me enough last week to predict a win at home. I got Michigan State beating Wisconsin. I think... Tennessee is going to beat Florida. I think this is the year Tennessee beats Florida. Florida starting a backup quarterback. Tennessee, this is this is their Super Bowl this year. This and Alabama. I know that they have an aspiration to make the playoff, and they're still very much in line to do that. But this is a game that's circled in red on their calendar. With the backup quarterback, they're at home. For, they're playing a backup quarterback at home. I think Tennessee is uninspiring as they've looked through three weeks can pull this one out. Michigan throttles Penn State. Not going to do much there. LSU versus Auburn. Man, the loser of this game. I know that I just said that Malzahn might not be fired because of the turmoil there with the president and the the AD, but without that happening, the loser of this game, that might be the nail in the coffin for that head coach. I I just don't understand how Les Miles can can withstand a loss to Auburn at this point in the season after Auburn's 1-2. And if Auburn goes 1-3 and three and loses three games at home to open the season, it's going to be tough. Let's go down the list. Baylor, I've got beating Oklahoma State. <laughs> Louisville's going to destroy Marshall. About 1,000 to nothing. Stanford, I've got over UCLA. UCLA has not looked like the team that they were predicting to be a top 15 team to enter the season. Arkansas, Texas A&M. I'm going Arkansas. I like the way they play. Texas A&M has looked good, but this seems like the kind of game that starts off there downward slope. They always seem to lose a game to either Alabama or an Arkansas or something like that to a tough team that starts a downward slope. Arkansas's defense is going to give some fits to um, to Trevor Knight and Arkansas, the way they run the ball and the way they run that offense, I think is going to control this game and make Texas A&M play their game. I think Arkansas is going to make Texas A&M play Arkansas's game than the other way around. What other games do we have on the slot this week that just really look intriguing? Uh, Really not much more than that as I scroll down. Those look like the big ones there. Uh, Sorry we're getting this to you late, but I'm going to wrap up the podcast. Again, I might either insert Norwood here. If not, I'm going to keep going. Hey, Norwood, how you doing? How's it going, everybody? Unfortunately, won't be able to podcast with Brick this week because I'm doing a shoot in New York, and I'm trying to prep for that, pack for that, do all that fun stuff. However, I did want to give my two cents if you're willing to listen to it. If not, you can skip ahead and hear more of Brick's brilliant analysis. However, if you like my opinion for some odd reason, here it is. I'm giving you the top seven teams in college football from my perspective after watching the teams from the national stage this week. 
Obviously, I've got Alabama at number one. Their impressive road win against Ole Miss really spoke a lot to me, especially since they gave me my degree. Ohio State going into Norman, Oklahoma. I know that Oklahoma has seemed a bit underwhelming this year, but do not underestimate this Oklahoma team. Very good, very good on defense. Kind of hard to stop Baker Mayfield. I won't say impossible because obviously a couple teams have been able to do so this season. However, I'm really, really impressed with the way that Ohio State handled themselves during that game on the road in a difficult place to play, similar to Alabama. However, I'm not as impressed as I was with Alabama. But Ohio State in at number two, Louisville in at number three, dismantled Florida State. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I certainly didn't. Lamar Jackson played a whale of a game. I mean, really played a great game. It was the game of the week, in my opinion. 13 to 20 for 216 yards and one TD. Did have one interception. However, here's the number that I want everybody to pay attention to. 17 carries for 146 yards and four TDs. Four touchdowns on the ground. Very impressive by Lamar Jackson. Really loved everything that game day did there. Loved the fact that they had the Muhammad Ali stickers on the back of their helmets. I think that's really cool. Anytime you can sort of get the community and the culture around your team, I think that's very powerful. Muhammad Ali, obviously, one of, if not the, you know, arguably the most recognizable athlete in American history. I think you could argue Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth, and Michael Jordan uh, for any of those, uh, for, for that title, for that title, I should say. Moving on with my top seven, Michigan, I've got in at number four. Michigan kind of struggled early against Colorado, but I really like the way they bounced back, showed a lot of poise. I like Michigan there. Uh, then I've got Houston, Houston coming in. Houston's still playing some great football. I'd love to see in the offseason, whether or not they go to the Big 12, that's a big question. You know, if they lose one of these games the rest of the season, this Houston-Louisville game now shaping up to be a big one. Uh, after that, I've got Stanford. Stanford obviously led by McCaffrey. McCaffrey having another big week last week. Really a title contender. Now that Baker Mayfield's out of it, Deshaun Watson may have played himself out of it. I mean, it's, it's just hard to put Clemson in there. I've got Clemson... Coming in the last spot in my top seven, I really like the way that Clemson's been playing. And like I said, I think you could argue any of these teams for number one because Clemson obviously bouncing back against Georgia Tech tonight. But how I, I'm just I'm just not seeing how anyone could argue Clemson uh, within the top three after the way they've been playing. I know Deshaun Watson, and I just said Deshaun Watson's really come back, uh, especially after this game against Georgia Tech. However, I'm just not really sure that I put them in my top three. Uh, so that's what I've got. I've got Alabama, Ohio State, Louisville, Michigan, Houston, Stanford, and Clemson. A uh, little bit more recap. LSU is not dead yet. For those of you who may be thinking, man, LSU is really like off this season. Can't figure out their quarterback play. Can't figure out their defense. Leonard Fournette is hurt when he's in the game. He looks great, but... Everybody's saying he's hurt. Don't count LSU out yet. If LSU wins completely out, if LSU wins out, they run the table. I mean, they, they completely control the floor. If LSU goes on, beats Alabama, wins out, wins the SEC championship, how do you not put them in the Final Four? A team to show that much resiliency after losing to Wisconsin in the first game, bouncing back, and really pulling through. 
I, I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not sure it's going to happen, but LSU isn't dead yet. Don't count them completely out. Michigan State, with a very impressive win over Notre Dame, what a Notre Dame team that I really think is impressive, running a very successful, two, not really a successful two-quarterback system, obviously, with two losses. However, I think they've got two of the more talented quarterbacks in college football with Malik uh, Zaire and uh, Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser, obviously, this season, 50 completions for 79 attempts for 715 yards. That's a percentage of 63.3, nine TDs on two picks. I think that Notre Dame's really been a team that's sort of, for lack of a better word, been picked on, or a few words I should say, been picked on. I mean, that Texas game was obviously one of the games of the season. I rank it right behind Arkansas and TCU for the game of the season so far. Now that we mention Arkansas, I think there's two teams out of the SEC you really got to pay attention for. That's Arkansas and Texas A&M, both still undefeated. If you're an Alabama fan, you're looking down the barrel of that gun. You've got Arkansas, Tennessee, then Texas A&M after Texas A&M's taken a, a week off before they play Alabama. Then Alabama's got to go and play Tennessee and Knoxville. I think that's really staring down the bar barrel of a tough gun. Uh, and I think the toughest two opponents out of that stretch have nothing to do with Tennessee. I think it's Arkansas and Texas A&M. Alabama's obviously going to be tired. I know Tennessee's played decent. I, I mean, I don't know how you can call it decent, though. I, Tennessee's in a rough patch. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. They, they, they were playing terribly, terribly against Ohio this past week. I mean, it's been tough. It's been really tough on Tennessee, but I know Tennessee's motivated, especially to beat Alabama. So that'll be a game to watch. Uh, but back to Michigan State. Michigan State played a will of a game against Notre Dame. That's a team to watch out for in the Big Ten. I know last year they're looking to come off that disappointing loss to Alabama in the playoff game where they were truly dominated all over the field. I know that's left a bad taste in their mouth. Look out for that team to contend with Michigan and Ohio State, who I ranked above them, but just barely. Like I said, I feel like there's a lot of the teams in the top seven, top eight, that you could really throw in and kind of argue that top three position, maybe even that number one position. Uh, I think uh, Baker Mayfield, the Heisman dream is a little dead for him. Maybe for Leonard Fournette, it's dead for him. Maybe for Deshaun Watson, could be a little dead for him too. Right now, I feel like Lamar Jackson is really the contender. He's really the guy to beat for that Heisman spot. Uh, and I, I don't really know how you can argue against that. Um, you know, there's a lot of college football to be played. There's a lot of in-conference games that are just now heating up. Right now, we're headed, obviously, into the big conference uh, schedule, the Power 5 schedule, I should say. And it'll be interesting to see how the teams shape up from there. Uh, you know, I think you really got to look at uh, sort of how the Big Ten shapes up with Michigan State and Michigan and Ohio State, I think, for the SEC. Like I said, it's 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 Texas A&M, Tennessee, Alabama, and Arkansas. Uh, and LSU's not dead either. Florida's not dead either. Florida and Tennessee have a huge game this weekend uh, in Knoxville. Game day's going to be there. I expect Florida to win big. I really do. Um, I, I think that, well, maybe not win big. I think Florida will impress some people in the way that they win. And what I mean by that is they could win by one. They could win by 21. But I think however they do it, it's going to impress people and make people think, oh, man, we've kind of been underestimating Florida a little bit.
And I understand that Florida just lost their quarterback, but I think that Tennessee's in a little bit more trouble than Florida right now. So I think Florida's going to have an impressive win, not necessarily by the score, but just by the way that the game is played. Uh, Wisconsin plays Michigan State. Don't forget, Wisconsin is playing a whale of a season this season, too. So now you add that to the Michigan State recipe. You've got Wisconsin, Michigan State, Michigan, and Oklahoma, or excuse me, and Ohio State. They're really all kind of battling it out. Arkansas and Texas A&M play each other as well. Two teams that I just mentioned for Alabama to look out for are playing each other. So there's a lot of college football to be played. I'm sorry, I know I've been all over the place. Usually I'm used to having Patrick, having my good friend Patrick Brigman, to sort of bounce ideas off of, to have him recuperate, to have a nice discussion. We didn't have that luxury tonight because, like I said, I'm packing for New York. I'm, I'm traveling for work this weekend, so I've got to get to bed, uh, and I know he can handle this. Um, Brick, if there's anything I left out, please mention it in the podcast. My sound off this week, stop dropping the ball before you get to the goal line. Good Lord. We have now seen it from the following teams. Florida State, Oklahoma, uh, I, I, I believe I believe Cal did it against Texas and got away with it. And that's, that's the main one. I'm going to stop there because the Cal-Texas game, that influenced the rest of the game. You've got Florida State and Dalvin Cook doing it, which is the last one I was going to mention. But let's go back to that Cal one. That influences the rest of the game. And I'm not sure Texas wins after that. But good lord, if if that's if that is really something that we can't look for anymore, I it's it's just such an odd concept to me. Carry the ball through the goal line. How hard is it? I I, I just don't get it. So that's my sound off. Carry the ball over the goal line. As I always say, it's been a ton of fun doing this. Patrick and I really love doing this. We couldn't do this without you. Um, again, I'm so sorry that I couldn't really do this in the normal Pat's Interference broadcast, but next week we'll be back to normal. Thank you so much for listening. Patrick, take it away from here, buddy. Okay, so uh, as always, patsinterference.com, that's where our podcasts are. I actually you know, updated with some Alabama clips that I got this weekend from Ole Miss. PI underscore podcast on Twitter, Pat's Interference on Facebook. Very easy to find us as far as the podcast, the ways to listen. Like I mentioned, patsinterference.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Google, uh, sorry, Pocket Casts, um, all kinds of good ways to listen to us. It's been a fun episode. Not really. I really miss my partner-in-law, but he'll be back for the Alabama podcast. We'll, we'll be back on regular schedule next week. So I hope you enjoyed listening. I hope this is uh, eating up enough of your time to really get you excited for the Saturday football that we have starting tomorrow. I love it. He loves it. We love doing this podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, roll tight.